Well, good morning and Easter greetings to all of you on this most glorious Easter day. Um, I can't remember such a beautiful Easter day with that amazing sunshine and the hills and fields are just bursting with life, aren't they? It's so beautiful outside. And some amazing people, I don't know if anyone here, has been bringing the outside inside with these beautiful arrangements right from the front door up to the altar behind. Would anyone like to be brave enough to put their hand up to say they're involved in doing that? Fran? (laughs) Don't be shy, you're amazing. Thank you so much. And everyone, do take time at the end of the service to come and look more closely. They really are works of art. Thank you so much. It's a glorious day, but actually at first glance the, glance, the reading that Fran just brought us and the way that chapter continues isn't a very glorious end to the Gospel of Mark. When I looked at it, I thought it was quite a disappointing end. We find the women who go to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body, and they find an angel, and they hear that Jesus is risen, But fear makes them run away and not tell anyone about it. Now, if you're following in your pew Bible, you'll have seen then there's another little disappointing line that says, and the next few verses aren't in original (laughs) reliable sources. So that sends a big question mark. And then if you do read those verses, you find Mary Magdalene who meets the risen Jesus and she runs back to tell the disciples but then they don't believe her. And the same thing happens to two other disciples who meet Jesus on the road. And they go to tell the other disciples. And they don't believe them. And then, when Jesus finally appears to his group of friends, it's not the happy, joyful reunion you might expect. But he rebukes them for their lack of faith and not believing their friends. And that's without even mentioning snakes and poison that come up as well. This must surely be the most glorious moment in human history. And yet, the atmosphere in that room at that time can't in any way have felt jubilant at all. Maybe a trivial um, comparison might be um, when you've planned an amazing family get-together, maybe at Christmas time, and you want it to be a magical occasion with everyone together, enjoying your amazing meal you've cooked, everyone looking into each other's eyes with misty looks on their faces. Um, But then what actually happens is you burn the meal, um, someone smashes a glass, and all the old squabbles come up. (laughs) It's not what you planned or wanted, but it's the reality of life. And so is the case for this group of little humans living so many years ago into this group of fearful, hurting, unbelieving friends, Jesus comes. But he doesn't despair with them. He doesn't go off somewhere else to find another group of friends. But instead, he goes on to commission them, to send them out to be his ambassadors, to go into all the world to preach the good news. The good news. I wonder what they thought the good news was. For those of us who have perhaps grown up in churches, straight away we'll be going to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, who ever believes in him will not perish, 
but have everlasting life. But John hadn't written his gospel at that point, had he? What did they think the good news was? I think we can find the clue right in the middle of Mark's gospel. Mark is the shortest gospel, and many people say that it's written from Peter's point of view. Peter was a Jew, and the way that the Jewish people wrote at the time was quite different to how we put together our writing nowadays. Often we'll kind of build a case which will come to a culmination, a conclusion. If it's a joke, the punchline comes at the end. But it's quite different um, often in Jewish writing, and often the turning point is right in the middle of what has been written. If you look at the Psalms again, you can find out for yourself often the key verse that changes everything happens right in the middle of a psalm. So obviously there weren't chapters and verses written when uh, Mark was writing his gospel, but if you were to go right to the middle of Mark's gospel in chapter 8, we find the point where Peter and Jesus are talking, and Jesus says, Who do you say that I am? And there's a moment of revelation, and Peter says, You are the Christ. You are the Christ. A word that we're so familiar with, but was so significant to that Jewish nation, the long-awaited Messiah, the Christ. There's a, a little expression, I don't know if you've heard it, thinking about the Old and the New Testament, that says the new is in the old concealed, and the old is in the new Revealed. Should I say that again? The new is in the old concealed, and the old is in the new revealed. And there are lots of passages pointing the way towards Jesus, to this Christ that the Jewish nation were looking forward to. I love some of those passages in Isaiah that point the way to Jesus being the way to forgiveness the way to deep healing. Jesus himself takes on those words from Isaiah 61, him being good news, him bringing compassion and transformation to the most painful and unjust times in life. This truly was good news that that little group of disciples had to share. It's extraordinary that he chose that little group who are so fearful, so hurting, so lacking in faith to share the most amazing news with the whole world. Extraordinary. And the extraordinary thing is that we have the same calling. Us little group who are sometimes fearful, sometimes hurting, sometimes lacking in faith, we have that same calling to share this amazing good news with the world. A little later in the Bible, Paul reflects on Jesus' resurrection in this way. He says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, 
in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. For it is by grace you have been saved. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God will prepare in advance for us to do. I've been thinking about this idea of us being raised up. And um, perhaps at the end I'll read one of the verses of the hymn that we just sung, which perfectly says that as well. In our next service, when the children are here, we're going to be thinking literally about being raised up like kites. I wonder if you'd like a sneak preview of the kite I've been making. Would you like to see it? Oh, yes, okay. There we are. It's not quite finished, but this is a work in progress. So this is the kite that I have been making. But just like that, it just flops around and doesn't do anything. There's something missing, isn't there? It all starts with a cross. <laughs> and the cross is central because it's a picture of God's deep and sacrificial love. It's a reminder that of God's power over death It's a story of hope. It's where the impossible becomes possible. It's an example of forgiveness, our own undeserved forgiveness, an example for us to be forgiving people. It's a picture of freedom from things that bind. The cross is central. But then... Like this, we stretch out our sails. We're all different, aren't we? We've all got different things that excite us, that we're good at, that we love doing, that we have a passion for. Some of you love gardening and arranging flowers beautifully. Some of you love to cook. Some of you have got amazing wisdom and common sense. Some love people. Some love to be quiet. Some love to engage politically Some love their neighbor. We've all got something special and different to offer to God, something that he's made us to be. And our lives can tell this resurrection story as we stretch out our sails, if we own who we've been made to be. We carry the cross at the center. We are who we are. And then we wait for the wind. We see where the Spirit leads us, where God will lead us, and he will work with us. It's a picture of us as individuals, but it's also a picture of us as a church in our community, as we all come together in our different colors and different things that we're able to do. And we rise up and we share a picture of this amazing story of renewal and resurrection and hope and love to those around us. So we may sometimes be fearful. We may sometimes be hurting and lacking in faith. But let's this Easter resolve to stretch out our sails, to say, thank you, God, for making me me. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for showing me how to live. Lord, work with me that others would see 
the way to you and live a life of love and hope and peace. Shall we just be quiet for a moment and I'll pray again. Lord, we confess that too often we are like the characters we read about in these final verses in Mark. Fearful, hurting, and lacking in faith. And yet today of all days, we long to tell your story. We long to share your good news. We thank you that you are good news in our lives. Thank you for making us all different. And as we stretch out our sails using the gifts and passions that you've put in each one of us, may we know you working with us, your spirit empowering us to tell your story so that others too would come to know your renewal and resurrection life. And the words of that hymn again, Saw we now where Christ hath led, Alleluia. Following our exalted head, Alleluia. Made like him, like him we rise, Alleluia. Ours the cross, the grave, the skies, Alleluia. Amen.